Blog Talk Radio. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. 
So anyway, so that's, yep. that's what's going on. And, um, yeah, we hope to see uh, folks out at that. But more importantly, we hope to see you all out at shows throughout our uh, kind of celebratory 10th year. Okay. All right, so I want you to, to describe some hilarious improv games. Because I know improv games can get pretty wild. What's some of the funnier ones you've done? Um. As well, as far as actually uh, moment, I guess the the most memorable one, uh, there's a, a, a what's called Duo Fest. It's a two-person improv festival in Philadelphia. I perform with a guy named Prescott. He and I have been performing together for quite some time. And um, he likes to climb on things. He's kind of a monkey. Uh, <laughs> and so he took... Uh, these two wooden chairs and stacked them kind of one on top of the other so that the legs of one of the chairs were sticking up highest, the four pointed legs. It was a real rickety wooden chair. He didn't care. He climbed on top of them and started doing a scene like he was some sort of a a Buddhist, you know, holy man who was meditating up on top of his chair. Um, (laughs) And then the, the chair started to slip. So the audience ceased to pay attention to the show in any way, shape, or form, and they were just mm. terrified. And the first couple of rows of people were just going, get down, get down, please, no, stop, oh, my God, please get down, stop it, oh, this is terrible. I mean, they, they were, I mean, honestly, their, their reaction was genuine. They were genuinely afraid they were going to kill himself. Um, <laughs> and then he was slipping, and the chair did slip out. He tried to jump free, but I saw him slipping, so I stepped over. I'm a big fat guy. Will, you know this. Um, yeah. <laughs> for people who haven't seen me, I'm a big, I got weight behind me. So I slipped over. Uh, when he left off the chair, I slipped up under him, caught him on my shoulder, and we started a new scene uh, about two guys stuck in a small apartment. Um, so we were able to keep <laughs> it going and keep it in the show. But he did terrify the audience, and they genuinely thought he was going to kill himself. Well, he's lucky he didn't hurt so himself real memorable. bad. So okay, he had you as a he had you as a cushion, huh? <laughs> yeah, something like that. I guess I, I got I got plenty uh, plenty for folks to land on, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you know, as far as uh, you know, funny things, you know, over the course of doing, you know. Ten years of improv, you know, I've been blessed to be on stage and just, you know, have people have wonderful times, have sets that were amazing. I've been able to see wonderful performers from all over the country at our festival, just do things that are truly remarkable on stage and all that stuff. So there's good stuff like that, too. Mm. Now, I know that Vig teaches classes. Can you teach a person to have a sense of humor? Um, what I will say is... There's almost no such thing as a person who doesn't have a sense of humor. I don't know that you can actually teach someone to have one, but I think it's a lot like people sometimes, you know how people are about singing. They'll say they're tone deaf or they can't sing at all, and really they can, they just don't very often. Right. And think they can't do it. They have no confidence, but actually they're perfectly capable. I mean, if they sing Happy Birthday, they hit all the notes, and so obviously they're not tone deaf. And I think humor is kind of the same way. We can't teach you to be funny, but what we can teach you to do, and this is what improv, where it really helps people, is we can teach you how to do what improvisers do. And sometimes people think what improvisers do is, wow, they're so fast. They're so quick mentally. They're so quick. Their brains work so fast. That's why they're able to make up all that stuff. And it's really not true. And what it really is is learning to not use that rational part of your brain, which isn't fast enough on stage. Anyway, you're an actor, you know. Ultimately, 
after you've done all the work and the memorization and everything else uh, to take it outside of the improv world, ultimately you want to get to that point where everything just comes out of you without having to think about it. If you have to sit there and think about your lines, you don't really know your lines. If you have to sit there and think about what you're trying to play action-wise or in terms of your objective moment by moment, um, and you're really having to think about that, instead of just doing whatever the action is you're trying to play as an actor, then it's not really coming out of you properly yet. And improvisation can kind of get you into that mind frame of trusting that if you just react honestly in the moment, it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. And that's what improvisers do. So it's not that they're super, super mentally fast. It's just that they have learned to trust their reaction, their honest reaction moment by moment when they're on stage. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a basketball player. To, to, you just have to trust that you can make the shots. I mean, like if you're having a slump, you don't want to sit there and think about your shots. You just want to just kind of just keep shooting until they start to go in. Absolutely. I mean, that's right, exactly. That's the thing. Um, yeah, if you, I mean, if you catch the ball and you sit there, and, and the amount of time it takes you to think, should I shoot or should I pass, the opportunity to do the right thing has already passed. You know, it's too late to do either at that point. You have to trust in the flow of the game that you're just going to, the ball comes to you, you make the right decision based on what you see without even thinking about it. And it's the same thing with improv. And the thing is, when you do that, then people who think that they aren't funny all of a sudden find themselves getting laughs. And mm. that's really one of, the, one of the joys of teaching people is, I've never taught an intro class in my life where by the end of the first session, everyone in the group hadn't gotten laughs. And it's not because I'm so <laughs> wonderful at teaching them how to get laughs. It's that once they let themselves free to just play, laughter is a natural byproduct of uh, of what they do. Yeah. Well, Mike, I think you just obliterated my, my next question, which is uh, what's the key to being good at improv? I don't know if you have any more to add, and you think you just sure. obliterated it. <laughs> Well, I certainly some of I mean some of what we talked about definitely. Um, so the big three things that we try to teach, and, and different improv groups word it different ways, but it's all the same basic idea of skills. You listen to your scene partner, you agree with what they're doing, and then you add something to the scene. And so mm-hmm. you know, listen. You know, listen means exactly what you know. Hearing what they're it's not just hearing what they're saying, but it's being in tune to their body language tone of voice, all that, but also being in tune and listening to your honest response and that thing that we just talked about of you've got to trust that your first reaction, your first impulse of reaction to what the other person does is what you did. If you stop to try to think of the thing you think is better or funnier, it's too late. And it, the thing is, it won't be. And that's the, and it's, it's a hard-fought lesson when you first start improvising, but it's true. Um, and then that agreement part is just um, you treat everything you, that your scene partner says, you treat that as being absolutely true and real. And so, like, if you and I were doing a scene and you say, so let's just say, go ahead and say something to me right now, any sentence in the world. Uh, I want to go eat a potato. Uh, you are not hungry. Also, that's not a potato. That's a dwarf. And you're Richard Nixon. Now, see... <laughs> what I just said I'm the wrong I, color to be Richard Nixon. <laughs> well, good, okay, valid point. <laughs> You're black, Richard Nixon. And I'm above ground, too. I'm above ground. Right, and I won't even get into whether you're a Republican or not. But the, the point is, 
You just made a very clear statement. You made a perfectly reasonable offer that we could have started a scene with. And I yeah. completely shot it down. I made you into a liar. And that's what denial, that's what not agreeing looks like. And when people do that in a scene, what it does is it forces us to basically hit the reset button on the scene every time that happens. Oh. It's just going goes. So that's how um, that part of it works. And then the only other thing is you make sure, you know, you have an obligation to add something back into the scene uh, as you go back and forth. And really, that's, like, it's like with so many things, can be explained in two minutes. takes quite a bit longer to get it into your body and to get used to doing it. But it's definitely doable, and really anyone, pretty much anyone who wants to can improvise, just like anyone can sing. Uh, just sometimes people, you know, have it in their minds that they can't. Absolutely, absolutely. So talk a little bit about the classes that Vig offers. Oh, great. Well, you know, we just, with the new kind of another thing with the new 10th anniversary, um, we kind of reset our our class structures a little bit. Uh, so basically what we do is we offer an introductory level class, um, which focuses on short form improvisation, which for people who aren't familiar, if you saw uh, the show Whose Line Is It Anyway, those type of quick improv games. So we focus on learning the basic skills and applying it to those type of games. Then... If you dig it, you want to keep going, we've got an intermediate-level class where we take the same skills, you have to develop them a little bit more, and we focus on what's called long-form, which is a more scene-based, character-based format. It tends to go longer. There's more control of the, 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 uh, the flow of the scenes are more controlled by the performers rather than doing a game, stop, and then do another game and stop, that kind of thing. Um, mm. Then once you get beyond the 300 level, we're starting to offer um, kind of elective-type classes. We're developing a bunch of new classes. I'm teaching a class on advanced short form that we have never taught before that just started this week and have a nice group of students. And so we're going to offer those type of classes. And then if you really dig us and you keep going through and you like it, uh, eventually you can do 400 level classes, which are classes that you can audition for. And those classes come with performance opportunities as part of our normal shows, like all of our all classes that we offer, your last class is a performance for your friends and family, but that 400-level class you will be performing at regular shows. So that's kind of a oh, wow. summarization of what we're doing right now, at least what we're trying, uh, our, our new approach. Oh, very good. So uh, let's delve into your background a little bit. Uh, have you done stand-up? Uh, almost never. I've done it like once or twice. <laughs> As a favor to people who, when they hear you're an actor or you do improv or you do comedy or something, they go, oh, well, then you could do stand-up at our fundraiser or whatever. Um, <laughs> I have not experienced, and I would I have not experienced that. And I would not pretend to be good. We do have some of our performers who are also uh, stand-ups who are quite good, but I'm not one of those. <laughs> well, as a famous uh, character on uh Movie said once a man's got to know his uh, limitations. So, <laughs> sure. sure, yes, I, I could definitely. All I would have to do is go up in front of that mic. I could definitely prove my limitations very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so now, how does improv relate to acting? Um, great question. Um, actually, it's, it's a big a big thing that I teach, um, both for big and then also uh, I'm lucky that I get to teach at my alma mater, which is the National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts down there in, in D.C. And um, where it really applies is in the ideal world, 
as an as a stage actor. And I do both. And and as a stage actor or a screen actor or whatever, anything scripted. Once you've done all your work, you're oh I've, I've learned my lines, I've, I've figured out my action, I've, I've delved into the text, I've come up with my physicality, I've come up with the voice, I've done all this work, we've got the costume, and we all talked and argued and come up with what we're trying to convey when we tell this story. When all that is done, ultimately the goal is to have all of that so deep in yourself that when you walk on that stage, it all plays like an improvisation. And the only thing that's actively on my mind is that interaction between me and the scene partner, that person who I'm trying to get something from, um, whatever that objective for that scene is. And so ultimately, since you want things to look like an improvisation, I think there's great benefit in doing improvisation for actors and seeing that that's, you know, that level of just give and take and being so present in the moment not going ahead of yourself, not thinking, oh, I got that big monologue coming up in two pages. I better start getting myself reeled up for the monologue. Or, or oh, my gosh, I, I totally biffed that line. Or, you know, even worse, I, I'm bad about, you know, this kind of stuff. Why didn't they laugh at that joke a page ago? I don't even like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, you get into that kind of attitude sometimes. And so the improv is just wonderful training for being absolutely present in the moment, just give and take, and because it's, the beauty of it is you get rewarded for doing that. In improvisation, when you stay in the moment and you give and take, that's when the magic happens. That's when the great scenes that you do and you go, oh, my gosh, that, how did that go so amazing? That was wonderful. And basically, every time I've been in improv, it kind of blew up. One or both of us was trying to creep into the future or we got caught up in the past and we weren't just trusting that moment-by-moment give and take. And so that, I think, can have a great impact um, for stage actors. Uh, it can help you, or just any kind of scripted actor, excuse me. Um, and I think also uh, listening is just the big thing because it's so, so vital. Um, and the story I always tell myself is uh, one time I was doing a scene with a gal named Sarah, wonderful improviser, Sarah Jennings, and... Um, she was down on her knees and she was doing something on the ground. And I was so busy creating my little improvised character. Okay, I'm going to be, and I decided I was going to be like a disco guy, real swarthy, like old school, uh-huh. like 1977, chest hair, gold chains, big, you know, white guy <laughs> afro, the whole thing, right? And so I was so <laughs> intent on that. And I was behind her, I was like walking around and starting to check her out, looking at her butt and all this kind of stuff. And I was so intent on being this kind of gross guy. I wasn't listening to her. And I didn't hear her say, Grandpa, would you like to come play trains with me? So she was oh. maybe her grandfather. Meanwhile, Grandpa is checking her out. Oh, now, no. She kept, now, the good news is she kept talking. And I can tell you that audience does not care if you radically change your character to avoid a gross scene between a grandfather and a granddaughter. But the point is, <laughs> had I been listening... I could have cut that off at the pass earlier. And so that's one of those things that as you do it more and more, it helps you with that listening skill um, that is so vital, especially, you know, for people who are doing, you know, so much of film now is it's not actually improvised. You know, you know how it is. They give you the script that day or they're changing the script moment by moment. So being able to really throw yourself in and just go with it um, can be such a valuable tool. Yeah, it seems like it's improv is kind of the gut part of acting. And another observation I have mm-hmm. is that a lot of your comedy movies now 
Um, and they're really strong improvisers out there. A lot of your your, oh, your sure. big names in the uh, the comedic uh, the, your comedic actors. Mm-hmm. Oh no, absolutely. You're you're dead on about that. There's been a real change. You know, improv improv was kind of this. You know, 15 years ago, improv was kind of this. 15, 20 years ago, it was kind of this weird thing that some people had heard of and a few people had done. And it's really you're absolutely right. It's become very mainstream in terms of uh, its influence on how comedy is done today. Absolutely. Hmm. So now, what are some of the places that uh, Big has performed? Well, we have. Obviously performed all over Baltimore probably in the course of 10 years. We've, we're getting up close to 1,000 shows that we've done getting into that ballpark. Um, we have performed in improvisation festivals all over. We've we've had troops play the Chicago Improv Festival, New York, Philly, Austin, Atlanta, you know, all over the place, variety of places um, so as invited performers. We've played down in D.C. a lot. We've done exchanges uh, both with WIT, which is Washington Improv Theater, you know, great improv group uh, down there in D.C. and up in Philly. Uh, they got um, Philly Improv Theater. Uh, we've done exchanges with them where, you know, we came up and we played a weekend of shows there, and then they came down here and did a weekend of shows here, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, we have bounced around now, but like I said, we're really excited about uh, this 10th anniversary, you know, this 10th anniversary season starting out with we're going to be at one theater uh, over at 3600 Clipper Mill Road uh, in the Meadow Mill Building uh, in Woodbury. And we're very excited about our new roommates, the Mobtown Players, and spending uh, time over there. All right. How does one join Big? Well, there's uh, definitely, uh, as far as being a part of what Big does, you know, obviously you come as audience, obviously you can volunteer, you can contact uh, me at Mike Harris at BigImprov.org, uh, or you can just go info at BigImprov.org um, to volunteer for shows and all kinds of things, and that's wonderful. Obviously you can be part of classes. Um, the best thing there is to contact our education director, Bridget Caviola, Bridget at BigImprov.org, and she's wonderful and very sweet and a brilliant, wonderful teacher. She's been about 10 years teaching in uh, Baltimore City Schools, and she's great. Um, but as far as being a performer, if performing is really your thing, uh, there's a couple ways. We typically have about two auditions a year, and anyone uh, is welcome to audition of those. I would strongly recommend to people, if you have no improv background, the chance of you having a successful audition is very, very, very slim. So, But if you have an improv <laughs> background, you've done some performance, by all means, you know, when you see one of our auditions announced, come on in. Lots of our members, uh, you know, we had never heard of before they showed up at an audition, and mm. we went, wow, that person's great, we take them. Um, conversely, um, we also have a lot of people who take our classes and get better, get better, get better. They work their way up through the classes. As they do more, they get more experience. And then they hit an audition, or we've even had people that we have just plucked directly from classes. We see somebody who's really got talent and aptitude, and they're really working hard, and everybody goes, wow, that person's really something. Um, it's not at all uncommon for us to just invite somebody into a troop, you know, out of the class structure as well. So kind of a combination. Um Something just to know if there are people out there that are interested in auditioning or trying to be a part of BIG. Um, it's kind of, it's an ongoing commitment. We don't, at least at this point, we don't audition for, say, a particular show that we're doing. 
uh, we audition you to be in a troupe, and then you that you are part of that troupe, and you're rehearsing with them on an ongoing basis and performing with them on an ongoing basis. So it's a little bit different than coming in and just like doing a three month run or a this or that kind of thing. Hmm. Okay, so I think a lot of inquiring minds want to know, uh, is there money in improv? Is uh big something that you could make uh any any uh significant money? Fair question. Um Yeah, as as you can imagine, there's just tons and tons of money in improvisation. Comes. Um with all acting, we all do it first and foremost for the money. Um so the answer is not a lot. Um, there are ways to make some money. We do have positions that are paid in our organization. I'm the executive and artistic director, so that is actually one of my main jobs um, that I do. I, I mentioned Bridget Caviola, who's our education director, so she has she gets paid a certain amount of money for doing that. We have some other positions um, that people get small amounts of money for. But as far as just the in terms of the average performer, the way it breaks down is for the normal shows, no. Um, there's not money for those. Uh, the main reason being, uh, and this was actually a, a controversy up at the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York, uh, kind of because it's a different thing between stand-ups and improvisers. The thing about uh-huh. improv is because the shows are inexpensive, typically, you know, whereas you know a, a play, even a community theater play, is going to be $20 a ticket. Uh, and a, right. at one of the huge theaters, it might be 70 or 100 or whatever. Our average ticket price is $10. And some shows we do, we do $5 tickets. Um, mm. So we don't make a ton of money through the box office. Uh, so there's not a lot of money being made. I mean, we make enough money to pay our bills, but we don't make a ton of extra money to begin with. And then the right. money makes them. Whereas if you did a stand-up show, you know, you might have a 90-minute show and have two or three stand-ups. So that's all the performers you got to pay. For an improvisers, um, in a 90-minute show, you'll have three or four troops and each of those troops may have anywhere from three or four of a small end to seven, eight, or nine performers. So by the time you've done a full show, you may have 15, 20, 25 performers. And so it's one of those things like you could take the extra money and pay everybody, but it'd be like, here's three bucks uh, kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, But that said, um, we get hired for private shows. We get hired to do corporate gigs, and those pay better. And for those, I am able to pay our performers actually a pretty decent amount of money. Um, and obviously, uh, for our people who train and teach classes, money comes in teachers. We pay our teachers for teaching classes, for teaching workshops. Um, so there are things that we do that, yeah, you can actually make some money at. And obviously, it just depends on people's availability in terms of how much they can access that. Okay, Mike, we're coming up on uh, about uh, 90 seconds left. So just put out okay. there how we can get in contact. Uh, if somebody wants to contact Big or find it online or call, how do they do that? Absolutely. Uh, best thing to do is go to bigimprov.org. That's our website. Got all the great information there. If you have any specific questions about Baltimore Improv Group at all, feel free to contact me at uh, Mike Harris at uh, bigimprov.org. Um, M-I-K-E-H-A-R-R-I-S at BigImprov.org and if you have questions specifically about classes and things of that nature or bring us out to teach a workshop or something for you go to Bridget at BigImprov.org and that's Bridget Caviola and we'll be happy to contact y'all about all that good stuff and that's how you get a hold of us 
Um, well, and if you're a phone person, eight 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 seven four five eight three nine three. Sorry, I didn't give you that. <laughs> That's old school. Seven four five eight three nine three. If you want to call and leave a message. All right, man. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Mike, uh, I mean, uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. It was a pleasure talking to you. You're a funny dude. Well, hey, I really, really appreciate this, Will. Thank you so much. Great to see you. And I'm sure we'll bump heads uh, somewhere soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll bump heads or bump fists or something like that. <laughs> All right, man. Sounds great. Thank you so much for Audio having me amigo. on, Will. Okay, man. All right, have a great night. You too. Bye. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. And I just want to say to all my listeners out there that I have a quote from uh, the great, late Norman Vincent Peale. And he said, change your thoughts and you change your world. Good night.